Hello, my name is Ran and this is the Flow Artist Podcast. Every episode we interview inspiring movers, thinkers and teachers about how they find their flow and much, much more. This episode is a recorded conversation between myself, co-host Joe Stewart and Kira Stewart. If that surname sounds familiar, it's because she's our sister-in-law. Kira was recently in Melbourne for a doula conference, so we thought we'd take the opportunity to learn more about what she does. Kira has been a doula for over 10 years and is based in the Rainbow region. Kira is a pregnancy masseuse, childbirth educator, placenta encapsulator, and she also attends births and supports families during their postpartum. She has a positive and conscious approach to childbirth, so though this episode isn't strictly about yoga, I think you'll find it incredibly interesting, especially if you or someone you know is expecting a child. In this conversation, we learn what led Kira to becoming a doula and what a doula does. We'll also learn some of what Kira does to assist in the childbirth of her clients, including a quick meditation that you can practice at home. We'll also learn some of the things that Kira does to organize and run her own business and how she uses social media to help offer her services. Before we start the conversation, if you haven't already, we would absolutely love if you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast from. It would really help us spread the word. Now, that's enough from me. Let's hear our conversation with Kira. Perhaps we could start by telling us a little bit about your background and where you grew up. Sure. I grew up on a farm uh, near Toowoomba, so that's southeast Queensland. And yeah, I was a farm kid, country life, riding horses, training chickens to do the crazy things. And I, even from a young age, uh, like primary school, had a real interest in health. I remember my my assignments being on herbs and, um, you know, the human body and things like that. And I also remember very young, my parents would encourage me to massage their feet (laughs) (laughs) you can get kids to do that for you yes yes and I would actually give them little vouchers for Christmas being like you get a half an hour foot massage and yeah it was a real and looking back on that knowing now what I do it's I think that was actually quite formative for what I went on to study and and obviously had a lot of natural talent for it (laughs) (laughs) I am actually sort of curious about these things you made chickens do (laughs) yeah I had this obsession with training animals so um, with the chickens I trained them to walk up this sort of like crate of stairs to get their chicken food at night (laughs) and then after that I moved on to we had a pet pig and I trained the pig to jump through a door and up the stairs to the second story of my house which my parents were not impressed with (laughs) full size pig (laughs) and she would just do it then without me prompting so my mum would turn around the pig would be in the kitchen and it was like Kira's doing another crazy animal experiment right up and send in a project for school (laughs) obviously now you're a doula so what led you towards that path in life yeah so after after high school I moved to the northern rivers area in northern New South Wales and I went on to study naturopathy at uni 
And while studying that degree, so massage was a part of that, herbal medicine, nutrition, homeopathy. While I was studying massage, one of my friends fell pregnant and I'd heard about home birth being something that women were doing. And I was very curious about that. And so I asked her if I might be able to massage her during her labor. And she said yes, which I was very excited about. So I packed up my little bag of goodies, my massage oils and homeopathics and aromatherapy and headed off into the night when she went into labor and massaged her through the night and she birthed her beautiful daughter by the by the fireside in her home as the as dawn was breaking and the birds were were tweeting and I just thought oh my god this I just saw life come into the world and it was just completely life-changing very inspiring and I thought I want to see more of this so I went on to study to become a doula and was able to then use everything I'd learned in the naturopathy course to then channel that into pregnancy and birth which was it felt good to be able to care lovingly for women using everything that I just studied so yeah that's how I became a doula. And so were you more drawn to being, or was there a reason why you're more drawn to being a doula than an actual midwife? For me, I really liked that I could support women throughout the whole journey. So that continuity of care, I was seeing them in early pregnancy and in the birth and then in postpartum and I was able to support them in the way that I wanted to support them with all my knowledge that I had with all the natural remedies and things. Because sometimes midwives are just meeting women for the first time when they're in labor and they don't have that relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that would that's, be tough. It's often what the way birth is in our in our society these days, that women are turning up and whoever's on call on that day is that's who's taking care of them. So being a doula, I was I was able to develop a relationship beforehand and they knew me really well and that that continuity of care was there 100 percent, which sometimes doesn't happen with with midwifery so I definitely thought about it a few times studying midwifery but I I just love being a doula yeah (laughs) yeah and perhaps you could describe what a doula does in comparison with a midwife yeah so while the midwife's role is very much uh, more medical so they're there to make sure that the baby's healthy during you know mother and baby are healthy during pregnancy they do the fetal checks so make sure the belly's growing well make sure the baby's growing well they're checking the fetal heart rate and making sure the mother's blood pressure staying normal during labor and doing all those sorts of checks a doula is more there for emotional and physical support so more in the role of make you know i i when i go to a birth I'm there massaging the mother or you know maybe taking photos or you know putting the lovely music on or just there my focus is on the mother and I'm not not taking any notes or paperwork or doing any of the medical checks so that medical role is what separates us a lot I know some beautiful midwives are able to walk both worlds where they are doing the medical checks and also holding space and being emotionally very nurturing but it's often there's often a lot to do as a midwife so having another set of hands as someone who's really comfortable with birth and knowledgeable and knows the mother and she's comfortable with her it's actually really helpful for the birth team yeah that makes a lot of sense Mm. Mm. so our podcast it's all about accessing the flow state and helping other people find their own flow that feeling of immersion in the moment of being energized but focused and just kind of fully involved or immersed in activity is this like a goal or a concept in birthing as well and if it is 
is. Have you got any strategies for helping people kind of get into that state of mind? Yeah, definitely getting out of the thinking mind is the main goal with birth. I don't know if you know too much about the brain, but we have our neocortex, that thinking part, which is really awesome at doing maths and recalling (laughs) names and numbers and strategizing and also having social etiquette. That part of the brain really needs to quieten down when the mother is giving birth. So essentially, she's a mammal, which is like a cow or a horse or a cat. And if you think about what those animals or what mammals like and what they typically seek out in labor, it's a quiet space. It's dark. It's private. She's not worried about what people are thinking. So as much as possible, trying to help her to get into that mammalian side of the brain, that's where the hormones are released as well, so that she can have the right hormones for giving birth. So the oxytocin, the love hormone, endorphins, which is that transcendent state, encouraging that as much as possible. That's what is actually going to help birth flow really well. And breath awareness is something that I teach during pregnancy to women so that they can learn to switch off that thinking part of their mind and just be with the sensations, be with the breath be with the movement and then moving into labor they know how how to easily access that and the births are quite straightforward when when they can access that flow state because the thinking brain leading into birth and labor would be the worrying brain Mm -hmm. because you know especially if there's been bad experiences in the past if it's your first pregnancy like do you come up against a lot of fear? Yeah, they can be actually. Like the media does a good job at scaring people with what birth can look like. Media dramatizes it. That's what sells. It's the woman screaming on her back, swearing, and it's an emergency. And, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a birth like that in the 10 years that I've been doing this. It's really, it's not dramatic like that. I think I was shocked actually the first time that I attended a birth. It was completely quiet and still and chilled and I was like is she in labor is this what labor is like and for me if I turn up to someone's house and it's the house or the birthing center or wherever it is if it's quiet and she's calm uh, then I know that she's going to be releasing the right hormones so the Helping to reduce any worries or fears during pregnancy is really important. That preparation for birth is really good. I just had a first-time mum have a baby a couple of weeks ago, and the first meeting when I met her in her first trimester, she said that it's she's terrified. It was it, she was really scared of what it was going to be like. It's she put off having kids because she was so worried about giving birth, but through the nine months of working together and practicing the breathing and and just normalizing what birth is about and giving her different techniques to do. She was actually a yoga teacher herself, so she had a lot of things that she could call on and knew about, you know, releasing into, you know, that releasing into poses and using breath to do that, that she was able to, yeah, understand how how her mind and body is so interconnected. And she went on to have the most beautiful birth and was just totally in the zone. When I turned up, she was already pushing her baby very calmly, birthed herself, birthed a baby herself into the water, caught her own baby, had an ecstatic experience because she was just in the flow. Wow, how amazing to be a part of that from like being really terrified at the start to it being such a beautiful, calm, ecstatic experience. Yeah, there was a big transformation there. And yeah, luckily women have got nine months to kind of (laughs) get their heads around it. (laughs) So I imagine that your own mood and your own mindset would be like super important since 
sense you're holding space for someone and maybe even kind of guiding them to a state of mind if they are scared or anxious you've kind of got to be extra calm and supportive to kind of bring that energy into the space have you got any of your own techniques to help you get into that right state like say you've been like caught in traffic don't know if you're gonna get to the birth in time like yeah it's funny you say that the very first birth I attended I left in such a hurry that I about 10 minutes after driving along country roads this is like 10 o'clock at night you know weaving around country roads I was like where's my doula bag and I felt on the passenger seat and I was like I don't think I've put my doula bag in the car and I stopped to the car I got out and the doula bag was on top of the car. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Whoa. my God, I've turned – I had turned corners. I, I don't know how it managed to stay on top. But that – I went, I'm never – I'm never doing that again. I need to make sure that I'm in a centered space. So it was a really good lesson from the start. And now if I, yeah, now I just make sure that I'm as prepared as possible that, you know, I've got my doula bag packed if I'm on call and that I'm taking care of myself. So, you know, going to bed at a reasonable hour and on the way to a birth, you know, having relaxing music playing in the car and just sort of being as centered as possible and present that's I guess my my tips for that (laughs) even if everything goes beautifully and it was a really positive experience I'm sure that like supporting a laboring woman through labor is pretty exhausting do you have any kind of self-care things that you do for yourself after the birth to recharge your own batteries I think having a long bath is my go-to pour a long bath, essential oils, and just have a, have a relax, have a, yeah, have time to connect with my breath and to think about it. Debriefing is good, whether that's just for myself writing in a journal. Sometimes I record my, you know, my um, experience of it. And if I'm organized, book myself in for a massage because I'm often really sore the next day. I know I can never complain because the mother is always sore, but Mm -hmm. I remember that, yeah, that first birth, my thumbs the next day from massaging and acupressure, I was like, oh my God. And like the thighs from squatting and it's a very physical experience. So a massage is a great self-care activity. Many of our listeners are yoga teachers and, and they may have pregnant women in their classes and obviously it's great to do some prenatal yoga teacher training but do you have any uh, useful tips that you think might help nurture pregnant mothers in a yoga class? I think definitely having some training knowing some simple do's and don'ts Mm -hmm. so that you can instruct accordingly but not being too scared you're not Mm -hmm. really going to break them or send them into labor so I think a lot of women come up against that practitioners being a bit scared Mm -hmm. like that they might do something wrong so just knowing that yoga is awesome for women if they've been practicing during their pregnancy connecting with their breath connecting with their baby Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes that we can live these busy lives that women haven't had that time to connect with their baby so making a point of that if there are pregnant women in the class to send breath to their baby Mm -hmm. their baby needs to stay oxygenated as well Mm -hmm. and something that I love and I think would be valuable for yoga teachers would be to check out spinning babies it's an amazing website. It, oh, there's a yoga teacher on there that works with the woman who created Spinning Babies and it's all about different exercises and things that also help 
to stretch and balance the internal ligaments that are attached to the womb. So there's, you know, a lot of body work that can be done prenatally to help with the birth and everything sort of going more smoothly. So definitely check out spinning babies. Are they kind of also about helping to reposition babies that are in a bridge position? I think that's definitely a part of it. It does when you hear spinning babies, that's what you think, is that you're spinning the baby into the right position. And definitely people that if their baby is in the breech positions, there's some spinning babies techniques to do. But it's more about making space in the pelvis and for the womb because it needs to expand so much. I think it expands 40 times what it normally is. So to do that in a balanced way, yoga is fantastic for doing that because, you know, we're, we always, if you're right-handed, you're using your right hand, you get tight on one side and being tight internally as well, the womb can actually twist and that can affect the baby's ability to move into the into the pelvis and, and come out effectively. So bringing balance to the pelvis is really, essential for helping labor to move more smoothly cool i've got some of my own tips as well i've done prenatal yoga teacher training as part of my teacher training course i haven't kind of gone really in deep into it but one thing that i've found is really helpful which might seem really obvious is if you're running out of ideas do some prenatal yoga dvds or even go to a prenatal yoga class if you feel like you need some more inspiration And because I teach Pilates as well as yoga, I can draw from both disciplines. And Pilates has got so much great glute strengthening Mm. in there. So if you're teaching classes and you're like, I don't know what to give the prenatal ladies while everyone else is doing core work, glute work is a great alternative. Yes, that's great. Because being able to – it's it's very physical giving birth and so anything you can do to strengthen and be able to like Mm. hold a squat or Mm. to get into those positions will be really great for then yeah moving through labor although it is recommended that if someone is in their third trimester (laughs) do not hold a deep squat in your yoga (laughs) class that is a position for giving birth in (laughs) i'm not sure i'd i could come along to a prenatal class yeah you can get the dvd yeah yeah. (laughs) might be a bit odd I just had the good fortune to listen to a podcast this week. Spoiler alert, this is going to be my pick of the week. It's a Connected Yoga Teacher podcast, and it was a new perspective on diastasis recti. And it was such a great listen for me because when I did my training, that was really defined as separation of the rectus abdominis muscles. And they would like test by putting some fingers into that area. And this perspective was really about how the linear elbow is the tissue that would be affected. So it was more about restoring health and tone and the ability to tension when necessary to linear elbow where all of the stomach muscles attach into but it was also a lot about how the diaphragm, the transverse abdominis, the multifidus muscles and the pelvic floor all work together and how tension-free breathing is a really essential aspect of that. And I think sometimes a lot of people are really focused on abdominal strengthening and not as much on relaxation through that area or toning of the diaphragm or the pelvic floor or the ability to relax those muscles Mm. i'd love to hear your perspective on that and maybe some of the techniques that you find helpful 
Yeah, definitely. I think women are told to strengthen your pelvic floor and do your kegels. And in pregnancy, it's all about learning how to relax those muscles and to feel them. Some women haven't felt what it feels like to relax them and to get familiar with that. So yeah, breath work is fantastic for that, to learn to relax your body with your outward breath and, and you know be able to recognize where there is tension in the body and being able to consciously release that. And with strengthening abdominal muscles or helping the muscles to come back after giving birth, belly binding is quite amazing. There's lots of different binds available. There's you know ones that are easy with Velcro and there's others that are like the tubular bandages that women can step into just to help with bringing everything back. Um, definitely some support after giving birth because everything is all a bit floppy and vulnerable. There are lots of different types of belly binds that are available for use after birth. You've probably also heard of the like the spandex kind of underwear. That, oh, like Spanx? Yeah, maybe I'm saying it wrong. Yes, yeah, no, no, Spanx is the fabric. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that real high-waisted, tight kind of thing to bring bring the belly back it just that you know it's so much work for a woman to be pregnant all the organs move out of the way the abdominal muscles have a bit of a break for nine months so anything that you can do to help sort of give a bit of support will help her to have better posture and feel that she can you know start doing gentle walks and things like that to rebuild those abdominal muscles i particularly love the bankung belly bind which was uh, originated in malaysia and it's using cotton and it looks like a cotton corset when it's finished it's quite beautiful and it's very uh, adaptable to the woman's size and where she's at so you can make it loose or tight depending on what she's wanting and it also goes from the hips all the way up to underneath the breast so it helps with you know helping the hips to come back to sort of where they were they do a lot of stretching and opening to give birth so it helps to bring the hips back but it also helps with the abdominal strengthening and support and it feels really good too that it's really grounding for the nervous system to to feel like a big hug (laughs) (laughs) you have mentioned how you do use essential oils as part of your nurturing process and i know that there are some essential oils that are not suitable for pregnancy can you tell us which ones they are and which ones are good? Yeah, I, I honestly, I actually just stick to the ones that are good because out of all the essential oils, a lot of them are oh, yeah, just a tell question us the good mark. Ones. Yeah. yeah, so we, lavender is okay. <laughs> it's a good one. It's very relaxing. Uh, you know, that's that's often my go-to is lavender. And other ones, usually the citrus are okay. So like a mandarin or orange, That's and they're quite uplifting. And yeah, they're good for the spirit. And also geranium, is it's okay. And it's that's about balancing. So it's good for the mental, the mind state. So yeah, lavender, mandarin, and geranium are the safe ones that I use in pregnancy massage or diffusing. I know that you attend a lot of home births, and that's obviously an environment where people are already really comfortable and there's a lot you can do to create a beautiful space but I know that you also attend births at hospitals what are you allowed to do to make a hospital room like a nice nurturing den are you allowed to bring in essential oils and things like that yeah so I think a lot of women forget that when they enter a hospital it is actually there to serve them it's even though it can feel like you're entering that you know medical establishment and you should just do what everyone tells you to do but it is actually your birth and your body and your baby and so women can transform that room as much as they like so um, bringing in things that feel familiar so 
if that's you know a favorite blanket or pillow we can plug in a diffuser so that smells just transform a, a space so and a hospital has such a distinctive yeah. smell exactly. as well i always try to have the best smelling birth room in the <laughs> hospital and when the midwives walk in it's a change for them too they're coming mm. into a space of yeah it changes their minds mind state so definitely aromatherapy is a big part of that and relaxing music all the you know tracks you'd use for yoga or having a massage that relaxing getting everyone in a good space also lighting is actually really important women in order to release the right hormones of the oxytocin and endorphins and things like that dim lighting is really important so either bringing in their own lamp or taking a a sarong or something that they can cover a bright light so that it's a bit more like a cave and that they feel that they can be vulnerable and do what they need to do and I guess this is one of the reasons why it's so nice to have a doula because who has time to like remember their essential oils and their scarf and everything when the baby's on their way? So exactly. like this is why you have the support My doula team. bag is full of essential oils and diffusers and yeah, scarves and all sorts of all sorts of tricks to make transform that room. That's the first one of the first things I do is get in there and make it make it lovely so that it feels good for her. And I might just get her in the shower. Well, you know, obviously ask her if she would like a shower, but the shower's a good, a good, <laughs> get in the shower. <laughs> um, the shower is a really nice kind of easy transition. Warm water is really soothing. She can be in her own little bubble. And then while I set up the birth space, so when she comes out, it feels really nice and yeah, familiar and, and calming and relaxing. This might be a weird question, but I know a birth can go on for a long time. Do you bring snacks? Is yes. Thing? It's pretty much the first thing I pack in my toilet bag is snacks. If my bag doesn't have snacks I'm panicking um, because yeah the births can go for a long time and I need to eat regularly it's important that the partners also eat regularly the mum generally doesn't feel like eating in labor there's just too much going on with the you know the contractions so but yeah snacks is very essential doula bag <laughs> item <laughs> obviously there's sometimes there'll be a, a man a husband or a partner do you have to do anything to sort of I guess educate or enable him to be as supportive as possible yeah I'm really really passionate about teaching partners how mm-hmm. to be supportive and hands-on so usually sometimes if that partner might be a woman yeah I, I was <laughs> just thinking that actually <laughs> yeah so normally if I'm going to be at their birth I'm really I really encourage them to have a, a few classes beforehand and even if I'm not going to be there they're wanting me for before and after care which is often often the case as well but <laughs> I'm really passionate about teaching partners how to do massage how to do acupressure how to do the famous hip squeeze which is a a lifesaver in labor and to normalize the different stages of labor this is what labor looks like this is what it can sound like this is what's helpful and so that when they yeah get into the into the birthing room they're like oh yeah I've heard I've heard Kira make these sounds that's normal or (laughs) that I know how to be helpful and yeah the dads often get back to me go oh my god thank you so much for teaching me the acupressure and hip squeezing because they feel that they had a real role to play and yeah definitely you you wouldn't do anything you know if you're preparing for a marathon or something you're not just going to turn up on the day and be like oh be sweet you will prepare beforehand you'll have a bit of an an idea of what it's going to be like what's going to be helpful you know like going overseas you know what to pack in your bag and for a lot of the time partners weren't allowed in the birth space and then all of a sudden they were but there wasn't that nice transition of like and this is how to be helpful in the birth space Mm -hmm. but you know partners when they're looking into the the laboring mother's eyes there's no one else that has that special connection so it really does help release the lovely love hormone and they there's the same 
saying that what helps the baby in helps the baby out. <laughs> so sometimes I step out of the room and let them love on each other. And yeah, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of leads into another question. Obviously, you need to find the balance of informing people because that's your role, but not overwhelming people with information. Mm. Is that different for everyone or have you kind of got some key points that you want to cover with everyone and then it's just what questions they ask from there? Yeah, it is very individualised. Most of the classes that I teach are now private, one-on-one, so couples are able to ask me exactly what they want to know. I'm quite practical and I find that most people people really enjoy like visually seeing what's going on so I have a pelvis that you know life-size pelvis and a baby that I can show how the, the baby moves through the pelvis and this beautiful wooden cervical dilation board so women and partners can see what 10 centimeters dilation looks like and a chart so people can visually see it and I find that when it's really kind of practical and visual that people are more likely to retain that knowledge and I guess I'm really focused on on positively preparing people for birth so being able to deal with any situation that comes up and knowing how to ask questions if they need to get more information and and things like that. I've even found um, in my Pilates classes how some people if they're just not kind of getting what I mean by the pelvic floor even when I use all of my favorite pelvic floor kind of metaphors and examples I'll just like tell them to go and google it and some people like are just such visual people that if they're not getting a kinesthetic sense of something that they can see a picture of it it just really helps them locate it in their own bodies Mm. and then it all comes together and it all makes sense Mm, yeah I really love this quote which was on your website about different breath practices So women all around the world use their breath to help them with the sensations of labor. Breath awareness helps us get out of our thinking minds and into our body. Your mind influences the perception of pain. If we start to believe a negative story, for example, this is too hard or I can't do this, then we enter into the realm of suffering. The more we can quiet the negative mental chatter, the better we can cope with strong sensations. Breath awareness helps us do this. With dedication, focus and patience, you can learn to still the mental chatter and quieten the mind by focusing on your breath. I'd love to know some of the breath practices that you use with your mamas. Yeah. Well, I honestly, I find the best way to experience experience the effect of breath awareness and different things is to actually have a go at doing it so if you want up to up for me doing some breathing with you guys we yep, can yep. we can do that yeah and people listening at home as well we need ice for this right we do we're gonna actually use ice cubes so if you want to go grab a bowl of ice and <laughs> um, meet, meet us back here <laughs> sorry <laughs> Those of us who heard our recent podcast with David Packman, where we spoke about the benefits of having an ice bath and the Wim Hof method, and then following on from that, me and Ran both experienced the ice bath. <laughs> Got to say, I lasted twice as long in that particular <laughs> ice bath than Ran did, so we'll see how we both go with this um, ice hand experience <laughs> yeah i'm they'll definitely you you might just be super easy because i imagine an ice bath is more intense in saying that i have had one one dad did come to my classes and he was like a rugby player and they do full ice bath immersion so he was like yeah i'm gonna be sweet with this mm-hmm. and he actually and it had a moment of like oh actually it's all about the mind isn't it so if you go in thinking oh it's gonna be easy i'm gonna be fine 
that expectation sometimes we don't meet it that it can you can get into a bit of a, a mind kind of struggle there with what we're telling ourselves and what we're actually experiencing so I normally do one minute at a time just because in labor, a one minute contraction is a good length of time. So that's what I start with with when I'm teaching, teaching parents to be how to uh, use their breath. So normally I get a baseline first. So that's just holding ice, feeling what it feels like to hold ice for a minute without using any of your breathing techniques. So putting aside your yogic breathing or anything that you learned recently and just feeling what it feels like to hold ice for a minute. And then we'll, we'll, we'll play with it a little bit and see which, which techniques are effective for you guys. Cause we're all different with what works. So some of us are quite visual. Some of us need auditory input. Some of us need to move our bodies. We're all different with what's most effective. So it'll be interesting to see what works for you today. All right, so when you're ready, pick up your good handful of ice, drip over the bowl. Just being present with the ice. Do we have to be silent? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to complain if you like. Because <laughs> I think it might be boring for people to listen to an hour of ice silence. I'm in a minute. minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already feeling this. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cold, isn't it? Yep, yep. A handful of ice is pretty cold. <laughs> 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 Whew. <laughs> Twice as long, hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those breathing techniques must have really helped me in the previous <laughs> ice <laughs> challenge. <laughs> Just noticing what your mind is telling you. You're probably wondering how much, how long it's been so far. I am. <laughs> <laughs> wondering what have we signed up for here, holding ice in our hands. Yeah. And weirdly, I'm sweating. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Parasympathetic <laughs> response. Yeah. Hey. It's like, All right, um, well done. Arms. You can drop your ice. Part of my arm actually sort of cramped up almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can. It's good to do the baseline. You get a little bit of a okay. That's that's where. That's, that's what where, that feels like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now I know you guys are experts when it comes to breathing. Oh, we so, can always learn more about <laughs> So you probably find it quite easy to get into that more meditative state. So um, yeah, just make sure that you're comfortable where you're sitting. So I think it'd be great to talk us through the way you would talk through someone who hasn't done this before. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So this is for anyone, for listeners, where just where you are, just make sure you're comfortable in your body. So if you need to have a little bit of a wiggle, let go of that last one minute where you held the ice. Make sure, if you can, that your feet are grounded and just starting to become aware of how you're breathing in this moment. You don't need to change the way that you're breathing, but just becoming aware of how you're breathing. Breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth can be really helpful. That's it. And with each breath out, just starting to let go even further, feeling your body soften. Letting go with each out breath. I want you to really focus on just letting go and softening. And if your mind wanders, just bring it back to your next exhalation. That's great. So when you're ready, picking up your ice again. Staying with your breath. 
Trying to soften with your exhalation. Really letting go with each breath out. That's it. Full focus on your outward breath. Good. Softening. Seeing if you can go even deeper with your breath, really letting go. Softening and letting go with that exhalation. And dropping your eyes. Well done. <laughs> Didn't seem like that long. No, no. <laughs> Great. So it was a bit quicker. Yeah. 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 Interesting as well. Like um, I felt a real sense of release between my shoulder blades. I was like, oh, I must have tensed that up in the mm. first minute. Mm. Yeah. Great. So felt a little bit quicker. Is there anything else that you noticed that was different from the first time to that time? More relaxation in your body? Didn't feel like I was sweating. Yeah, cool. Mm. Yeah. 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 And you were able to go there straight away. You look, both look like you're quite relaxed and really in tune with your breath. Yeah, it took me a little while, like, a little while to get there. But after a little while, I'd have moments where I wouldn't even notice the ice at all. So, awesome. Yeah, awesome. it wasn't consistent, but... Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, yeah. And you can see that, yeah, the more you practice that, the longer that time extends that you don't necessarily notice the ice. Right. And that the easier it is. Sometimes then it feels like, you know, a quarter of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're called cool to practice, like, another another one minute... Some people are quite visual and mm -hmm. having either closing your eyes and imagining. So this, um, I'll just lead you lead you through this one. So yep. again, before holding your eyes, oh. we're going to mm -hmm. get into the zone. I, I kind of see it like you're riding a wave. So you don't want to be like not paying attention because all of a sudden the wave will be crashing over your head. So you want to be waiting and ready. So it's the same with this breathing before doing something like picking up ice, getting into an ice bath, walking on coals, whatever it is, you do get into a bit of a, a mind state of making sure that you're really present. So taking a moment before picking up the ice, just to come back to your breath, back to your body, noticing how you're breathing. And this time I want you to find a visual image that you can time with your breath. For some people that might be waves, rolling waves, the sound of the outward breath can actually sound like waves crashing onto the beach. But if you have some other visual coming to you, like birds flying in the sky or trees gently swaying in the breeze, or maybe you're even more visual and you need to imagine your breath coming into your body and exiting your body just finding something that works for you in this moment and taking a few breaths with that visual. And when you feel you've got your visual, picking up your eyes, staying with your breath and staying with your visual. Really allowing yourself to immerse yourself in that nice place.
Great work. When you're ready, you can drop your eyes. Well done. Oh, that felt so much quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. What was your visual? Waves. Yeah, yeah, waves are really effective, especially if you do, like, I, I love the sound of breath and how mm. much it does sound like a wave. And were the waves crashing on the beach or were they rolling waves? Or Rolling waves. Yeah, yeah. cool. And you're going yeah. with your breath up and down. Yeah. And it felt much quicker. Yeah, definitely. It felt mm. like about half the time. Fantastic. Yeah, right. I found it a bit harder. I'm, I'm not very good at visualization. Yeah. So. And that's why I love this because, you know, if, if I'm teaching a room full of 10 people, some will be like, amazing best yet and others need that that prompting and i could Mm -hmm. even tell by hearing your breath i was like oh you're that yeah it was different for you to Mm -hmm. that maybe music would be more your Mm -hmm. thing and so having that tuning into the sounds or someone guiding yeah um and yeah there's so many ways that you can take this breath awareness Mm -hmm. and i love finding everyone's unique thing and then that's the thing you practice over and over again and and then combining it so you know having music having movement movement's often a fantastic thing for helping you to get into a bit more of a trance Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah it's really fun (laughs) i guess i was just because i guess it's quite cool that um like you said you sort of have that time with that person to sort of establish that relationship and learn what works for them so yeah and it must be really rewarding at the end obviously (laughs) yeah exactly to find Mm -hmm. their unique thing that suits them and to to master it really Yeah, yeah And it's really cool as well because that's a very safe way to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and to kind of work with what's going to help you kind of deal with it. That's right. And, like, that could be a pain management technique for, like, not just birth. like Exactly, mm. yeah, anything. And often people who are like, oh, I can't meditate – they love with the ice because mm-hmm. you kind of have to, otherwise it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. So the reason we use the ice is that, yeah, it gives, it gives you something to work with and people that, yeah, have never been able to meditate before, all of a sudden they're having success and, and really enjoying it. And yeah, and I guess as well, because you get that really clear sense of like, oh, this is working for me mm. or like, no, nah, this is not helping me. Mm. Whereas I think sometimes in meditation, Half of it is just like, am I meditating now? Oh, no, my brain's thinking. So having like a real visceral physical sensation kind of get you out of that thinking brain, which yes. is exactly what your goal is with this practice. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. Because, yeah, if I was to teach you this breathing now, you'd probably be like, yeah, that's okay. But you might be thinking about your shopping list tomorrow or, you know, some other thing you've got to do or it kind of, yeah, drifting off. But this really helps you to stay present. And, um, yeah, it's a good, good practice and great to see what works for you. And I love finding out everyone individual thing that is helpful i know that you have a giant labyrinth at home uh, and that's another technique or tool that you use in childbirth education yeah yeah the i uh, the labyrinth is a great metaphor for teaching the stages of labor um moving through that it's a bit of a journey into the middle you can you can't think your way there you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other to get into the middle of a labyrinth it's very different to a maze where you can get lost and you have to be quite analytical a labyrinth is just in and out the same path so i i use it as a teaching tool for the stages of labor and and walking the labyrinth and you know it's a rite of passage um, and I mentioned, yeah, some of the other things that I have, like the, the pelvis and the baby and the beautiful wooden cervical dilation chart and, and you know, the ice and the breathing. There's, I really try to keep things as exciting as, um, as possible. Art is another thing that I use in my classes. So getting people to get out of their thinking head and just making art and allowing their subconscious to speak and seeing what comes up from that. And it's amazing, even if people haven't picked up pastels or paints for 
you know, years and years and years or since they were a kid, they often really love the exercise because it's, it's creative, it's fun, and it, it is quite revealing what your art is telling you. And do people often end up bringing their art with them into the birthing room? Some people do, yeah. If they're particularly proud of their artwork, they'll bring it in. Or if it conjured up a really good space for them when they were making it, they'll bring it in. I've even had people get back to me and say, I actually used ice when I was giving birth and it really helped. Wow. Because wow. it's like that's something they've practiced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that difficult point in the birth and they were like, I just, I need to do something. And the ice is what got them through and had a natural birth through using ice. <laughs> wow. Ice cubes. Using the very thing that's simulating discomfort (laughs) yeah I thought it would be too much because there's already a lot of physical sensations going on but for some people it's what works and maybe you're right maybe it's that the repetition and that familiarity with using it that it brings them instantly to a place of being able to focus and and let go yeah like a practice this you've got a really impressive and amazing Instagram feed and you share a lot of birth pictures and I kind of imagine that this is probably something that you're doing as another just way of normalizing the birth process and like showing all these different things that different people do and kind of inspiring people rather than you know, it just being like something scary that happened in a movie that was really traumatic. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was really surprised actually how quick that my, you know, I started the Instagram account about a year ago and just, yeah, thousands and thousands of people. It's it's like the over 34,000 people in a year just started following wow. because I guess it's, it's a little bit, you know, it's different to what normal media is portraying what birth is, where it is scary and dramatic and full on, whereas this I really try to share inspiring and positive stories and like you said normalizing birth and that it can be really beautiful and empowering and I think yeah it shows people really are craving that surprised as well how many people share their birth pictures on Instagram yes I know I do get some comments sometimes of like is this really appropriate for showing on Instagram but that's how we see it we're not living in villages anymore Mm. seeing our sisters and aunties give birth we social media is where it's at for normalizing and seeing different positions that women are in different support that are that they get receiving uh, using water and you know women are women are proud of their experience and it's a way of getting the message out there that it, it can be a really positive life transformation. Sort of interesting how, you know, these really fundamental important parts of life, you know, like we spoke to David Pakman on death a while back and and now, you know, the beginning of life, they're both sort of taboo. It's really strange to me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. Yeah. You know, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> yeah, it's just something I don't quite understand. We're quite removed, I think, from mm. a lot of a lot of things that are natural, and we, yeah, I don't know what it is. I guess there's an uncomfortableness that comes with the power mm. of of birth and death. Mm. I don't know. I think there might be a little bit of patriarchy mixed in there as well. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Because it's yeah, women are life givers, and it is an extremely powerful moment in their life, and. That yeah, I think it's probably scary for a lot of men to to see that power and to to give women that, the credit. This is a little bit less life changing, amazing, but still really useful for people to hear. You're a savvy businesswoman, <laughs> and I know that you put a lot of time and energy into not just educating yourself the childbirth and how best to support the mother, but you also kind of think about the best way to develop your own business and 
Um, do you want to kind of share some of the things that you do that have made it more sustainable and more productive for you that yeah. might help other people? I think I'm lucky in that I do have a little bit of a business nerd hiding away under, <laughs> under the taller hat. <laughs> under that, the earth mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, that it's, yeah, it's something, uh, something fascinates me with how to get my message across to people, who the people are that I want to be serving and that that goes a long way with you having a clear message with yeah with what to share with the world so i i do like business courses and i'm i you know i guess it's yeah the more people that i can serve the more lives i'm changing and 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 helping and um being a part of so there is motivation in that way to be actually good at running a business so i've been yeah been a masseuse for 15 years and so i you know started learning how to get clients from from that you know 15 years ago and then been running my own birth business for yeah at least 10 years now so through that it's yeah I think it's funny time putting in the time is one of the one of the big things there that word of mouth is incredible for people once you've been doing something for a while that that spreads and people are like oh you know go see joe for yoga she's awesome okay you know yeah if you need a doula speak to kira that being well known something that was a game changer for me as well was joining a mastermind so that i had that accountability with other peers and could get inspiration from what other people were doing to be able to get more clients so what's a mastermind someone's made that word up (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what the exact definition definition is but for me it's a group of people that are doing a similar thing and are meeting regularly so that you can check in with what you've been doing what's been working what's not working what you're wanting to trial and then having that regular check-in so there's accountability there of like hey I did this and it worked really well and I'm going to do more of this or that didn't work so well I want to do this or what are you doing with you know pricing or packages or little things like that so there's yeah there's some I think accountability is the biggest part it's like setting goals is one thing but then actually following through and having a vision of how that looks and knowing when you've met that goal and so sharing that with other people so you know saying that you're going to do something and then you're more likely to actually do it if other people are like did you do that thing yeah I wrote it on my to-do list (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so do you set aside time each week to put into the business side of your business yeah I guess I do so normally Mondays is sort of my start the week what am I wanting to to do actually my sister and I have what we call a super sister session (laughs) and so every Monday we check in with each other what we're what we're our main intention is for the week and we have our overall what our monthly goals are and so and on Mondays I have my mastermind so checking in with other postpartum doulas about what we've what our achievements have been so far and that's when I give my VA jobs to do for the week and it is a bit of a you know it's a good I love I love Mondays it's a good start to the week of what am I what am I planning to do this week and also a check-in of the previous week so yeah Monday's I guess my business focus day that I I do those things so it is regular (laughs) and some people might not know what a VA is as well yeah VA stands for virtual assistant so I have a beautiful woman working for me that is yeah she's in the same state but not not um not close by not in the same town so she helps me with my website and things like that so you know email marketing and getting blog posts up and things like that so So yeah it could be a great option for people who who are thinking like oh, I'm really overwhelmed how am I going to have time to do all yeah. of these things yeah we've all got our genius 
you know, points that we're good at, that things that you love doing and you're really good at and they're the things you should be spending your time on and the stuff that, you know, you should be doing but you mightn't like or you're not very good at it, get help. <laughs> because we're, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and I do think that having, yeah, having someone to, to help out so that you can leverage your time is really important. And also if you're like a sole trader, you know, a self-business person and you stuff up your invoicing, you don't get paid. So, (laughs) you know, it can pay to like, if you're not good at that stuff, get a little bit of help getting some good systems going. We tend to put off the things that we're not good at or we don't like. So it's, I think it's just better just to, yeah, pay someone to do those things so that they're still getting done and then you can be putting your awesomeness into what you are really good at, which if that's serving clients, then be doing that. Sending invoices is one of my favourite parts. (laughs) (laughs) Though I probably have to do far less than you. (laughs) I've stuffed it up in so many ways possible. (laughs) (laughs) Sending last month's invoice forgetting to change the number like yeah i just have to do it when i'm really clear-headed yeah i've just learned that i can't send my invoices when i'm tired yeah like it ends badly yes yes actually was it you that um told me about wave possibly i still use wave yeah i, um, I use that it's yeah. really good really easy might not be appropriate for you. no some people i work for have a specific form that i need to fill out for mm. them yeah mm. yeah i think it's time for pick of the week Ooh. Well, I've already jumped the gun on my pick. You've shared yours. Yeah, which is The Connected Yoga Teacher, A New Perspective on Diastasis Recti with Dr. Sinead DeFour, who's a pelvic floor expert, and that podcast is hosted by Shannon Crow. One thing I even liked about this is I always thought it had to be pronounced rectus diastasis, which is really hard to say, or diastasis, so... It was good hearing someone say it a lot of times in a row so I could get a good sense on how yes. you can say it. Yes. But there's a lot of other really, really good information <laughs> in that podcast. All right. Well, my pick of the week is it's another YouTube channel. Obviously, I watch way too much YouTube. This is Andrew Wong. And Andrew Wong is sort of a, a music producer. He produces tunes mainly using Ableton, I think. But he's uh, it's really beautifully shot and amazingly edited and... He also provides lots of useful tips and some of his videos are, are really funny. Like there's a, there's the one where they make uh, Derude's sandstorm with samples taken from a sandstorm, which is pretty amazing. Or the uh, the Raven dubstep, they use samples from Ravens to make dubstep music. And uh, just some really amazing uh sort of joyous music so I the one, re- another cool one he did sorry to like jump in on your tip That's right. um he gave the same song to sample to three different producers and himself and it was so cool hearing the different music that everyone came up with from that same source material and seeing everyone's different process mm. as well mm. so yeah you don't have to be a music producer to uh, enjoy no. this one mm. it's really good <laughs> Yeah, that, I love that you do the pick of the week. And when you first asked me to think of mine, I had so many ideas. But I, what I want to share is that I just finished listening to the audiobook chapter one, which is by the co-founder of Thank You, Daniel Flynn. And I noticed when I was washing my hands in your bathroom, you've got the Thank You hand wash in there. And I just found their story so awesome. I think I might have a special love for it because they're Australian. They're th- you know three Aussie kids that grew up in Melbourne Oops. and started this amazing idea to help change change the world um, one step at a time and I yeah I love that he's you know talks about changing your thinking and 
you know, you'll understand that no matter your walk in life, you too have the power to change stuff. So I highly recommend listening to Chapter One by Daniel Flynn. I just thought it was so inspiring hearing all the all the wins, but also all the setbacks that they actually had to get to where they are. But you know, they've donated over five and a half million dollars now to wow. helping to get clean water in communities that wouldn't otherwise have it, and also for maternal and child um, health. And so yeah, they're awesome, and I'm really inspired. And I think it's it's a great story to listen to. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's amazing. We'll put links for all of these in the show notes. So uh, thank you so much for staying and, and talking with us, Kira. It's thank been you. amazing. I've learned heaps of about uh, what you do, the important work. So, yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Yes, it was awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so that was our conversation with Kira. I hope you enjoyed it. For our next episode, we have an interview with Tom Garguillo. Tom is a CrossFit trainer, a vegan, and a committed yogi. We really enjoy his perspective on all of these things, so make sure you tune in for that one. Finally, we would really love to hear from you. You can drop a note on our website at podcast.flowartist.com or look for us on Facebook or Twitter. If you have anything to share about this episode, if anything resonated with you, we would love to hear from you. The theme song in this podcast is Baby Robots by Go Soul and used with permission. Do yourself a favour and get his music from gosoul.bandcamp.com. Thanks again. Big, big love. <laughs>